It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, today is media day in the Pac-12, and Dan Lanning is down there with Bo Nix and Jeffrey Bassa, and we just shouldn't be expecting that much. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. It's July 21st. And we're jam-packed on a Friday, and I still have a bunch of mailbag stuff to get to next week and in the coming weeks and such. So appreciate all of you for tuning in. Media Day stuff, preseason polls, potpourri. If you don't know what that means, I'll explain later in the show. I kind of pulled that from Jeopardy because I watch Jeopardy almost every day. So anyway, Pac-12 Media Day is today. And our man Dan Lanning is going to be down there. Bo Nix is with him. Quarterback Jeffrey Boss is down there. Frankly, I found it most noteworthy on the one hand that Bossa was one of the representatives because we've been talking about for months here on the show, hey, who's going to be the starting linebacker core? Is it going to be Justin Jacobs and Jeffrey Bossa? Is Jamal Hill going to be in the mix? Like, who's who's going to do that? I think Bossa being down there is indicative of the fact that, number one, he's going to play a lot, whether he's a starter or not, and we'll see how things play out. But number two, he's going into his third year with the Ducks, so he's done his fair share of interviews. He's a name that you know Oregon can pull from the defensive side that actually has experience. I think it was probably between Bossa and Dorless, and maybe they think Bossa's uh, you know, better in front of a microphone. I don't know, but that was frankly the biggest thing that stood out because as we look into Pac-12 Media Day here, look, it's going to be fun content to consume. I'm going to watch and, you know, uh, hear the quotes and see the reporting and see what's said about, you know, particularly the media deal, which I don't expect a lot. I'll get to that in just a moment. But as it pertains to Dan Lanning and the Ducks, I don't think there's going to be very much to kind of hear. I don't think there's anything I'm looking for, right? We don't have a quarterback battle. You know, if, I mean... The whole thing is getting overshadowed, of course. All of the football, which is going to be a great season in the Pac-12, wildly entertaining, a lot of great teams who can make college football playoff runs, Oregon included in that mix. It's all getting overshadowed by the fact that the Pac-12 has not finished its media rights deal, and that's the biggest story in the conference. So all the great little storylines are getting pushed basically out of sight, out of mind, and the bigger storylines are getting moved to the back burner. But You know, stories like UCLA has a big question right now. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They're going to decide that in fall camp. Oregon doesn't have something like that. We have individual position group battles. I don't know that those are going to be asked of Dan Lanning or Jeffrey Bossa about this upcoming season, but I don't expect anything explosive. I don't expect anything dramatic from Dan Lanning and the Ducks, I think it'll just kind of be, you know, SOP for everybody, standard operating procedure, where you get asked questions, you, you give answers in as insightful and engaging, but, you know, kind of a political manner as as you can. And then I'm sure they'll get asked about things like the Pac-12 championship or the playoff or, you know, Bo Nix in his final season, what he's looking for. Maybe they'll ask him about the Heisman or anything like that. But overall, I don't think there's a big storyline 
to, you know, kind of frame the media day for the Ducks and Dan Lanning. I think it was more exciting last year because we'd seen Lanning at his introductory press conference, but we hadn't seen him, you know, kind of get unveiled to the world necessarily. Now, you know, obviously more than just Oregon fans watch his introductory press conference, but the media day was kind of his first big opportunity to kind of, you know, make his mark in terms of the sort of presence that he gives off, the aura that he's going for, the vibe that he gives off as a coach and everything like that. I think by this point, we know what that is pretty darn well. And we should just expect to see all that sort of stuff uh, as as the day goes on and as Oregon gets asked about things. I, I mean, you know, there might be interesting things that, that surprise me and whatnot, but I don't suspect there will be a whole heck of a lot there. I'm sure some of you are wondering as well, about the media rights situation. And I talked more about this on Unlocked on Pac-12 on, on, on today's show, discussing kind of, you know, George Klyavkov and the whole situation there and the latest updates. But I don't think, I, I know for a fact, they are not going to be announcing, or at least that is what the reporting has indicated. They're not going to be announcing a completed media deal today. So they're going to try to put a positive spin on it as best they can and maybe they'll get it done next week, and maybe it'll be the following week, and maybe the week after that, and we just don't really know. So I wouldn't go into it with big expectations along that front either. If I'm George Klyovkov, I try to keep things as kind of milk toast as possible and as positive as possible because everything has been very negative surrounding the conference and the perception of the league has, has definitely taken a hit over the last six months in the eyes of, you know, the college football world, essentially outside of the PAC 12 internally, the PAC 12 doesn't appear to be super worried about, you know, what they look like to other people or what others think of them and such. But in a sport where perception matters a great deal, I think that's been a mistake on their part, not necessarily a, a catastrophic one, but a misstep that could have been avoided. They chose not to. That's their decision and such. But I don't think there will be a whole heck of a lot of big stuff there. I hope we can really dive more into the football because I'm sure a lot of you are worn out with the media rights stuff. But we also want to know, like I want to know, what's the deal going to be? Who's it with? Are there actually new partners in play? Who's the streaming partner? How many games and everything like that? But we'll react to that news once it actually materializes, because right now it's all just speculation and theory and uh, prognostication and yada, yada, yada. So we'll, we'll, let, we'll let that play out as, as it will. Now, the other thing that came out that is actually interesting going into Pac-12 Media Day here is the, Mac, is the Pac-12 Media preseason poll. I didn't have a vote on this. Very hurt. Very, very upset that George Klyovkov didn't personally extend to me an invitation given the coverage that I've provided for his conference and one of the teams within his conference on this show on Locked On Pac-12. Very, very upset. Very, very hurtful. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> the preseason media poll looks, you know, about the way you would expect. You have some ordering of the three teams after USC, then Oregon State, then UCLA, and then, you know, you put people down below. So the Pac-12 preseason media poll goes something like this. USC, Washington, Utah, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, Washington State, Arizona, Cal, Arizona State, Colorado, and Stanford. If I had a preseason media rights or, or media vote and I was filling out a ballot like this, and the way this works is you you everyone picks their teams 1 through 12, 
and then they tally up the number of points you get because if someone picks you, you know, for third place, that's more points than if you're picked for fourth place. But it wouldn't look very different than this because USC is the favorite. It's just hard for that to not be the case. You're going to have a Heisman, Heisman Trophy contending quarterback again in Caleb Williams. You have a coach who was in the conference championship game a year ago and who has won Big 12 championships many a times before in spite of weak defenses during his time at Oklahoma. You have a wide array of offensive weapons at receiver. The running backs are, are just okay, but they have a lot of good receivers. They throw the football a lot. And Lincoln Riley knows how to win college football games. We've seen that quite a bit over over the last several seasons. So they'd be my preseason favorite pick as well. Now, the order of the next three goes Washington, Utah, and then Oregon. And there are a couple curious things about that, one of which concerns the Ducks and one of which does not. What I find curious is that some of you have not yet checked out eBay Motors. Because for a championship team, like what Oregon wants to build this year, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Got to get your own guys in there, right? Got to get ones who fit your scheme. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage, look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items, only exclusions apply. Go check out ebaymotors.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. The fuel to my fire every day on the show is the second segment sip. Got a question about that to wrap up today's show. That comes later. Right now, the two things that stood out to me in the preseason poll. Start with the one that is not specific to the Ducks. So the poll shakes out in a way in which it goes USC, Washington, Utah, Oregon. Again, this is in the eyes of the media. But Utah actually had more first place votes than Washington or Oregon. Now, they're above Oregon, so you'd expect that. But Washington had four first place votes. Utah had six. Oregon had just one. And USC notched 25. That's quite a few. So of the 36 voting media members, 25 of them picked USC to be first. And I imagine nobody picked USC lower than second, maybe third. So that was the first thing that stood out. Now, it's going to be tough to win three conference championships in a row. That being said, we have doubted Utah just as a conference and as a, as a sport, just as college football fans, over and over and over and over again. 
So if anyone was going to do it when you didn't think they'd be able to do it, it would definitely be Utah. That's the first thing. Now, the thing that stands out to me about Oregon here is that they landed fourth and not in the top three. Now, I don't think that that is a giant slight at the Ducks because every team in front of them is a really good football team. And the win totals in Las Vegas reflect that. So Utah's win total, according to our friends at FanDuel, is 8.5. But they have two Power 5 opponents on their schedule, including a road Power 5 game in Week 2 against Baylor, and they host Florida in Week 1. If that second week game was a cupcake, the way that Michigan over in the Big Ten would do it, by the way, they just like Michigan's non-conference the last several years is a joke. And it's why scheduling is the biggest problem in college football. I will fight anybody on that. By all means, hop in the YouTube comments. Let's go. So many problems can be traced back to scheduling in college football being completely backwards. Anyway, if Utah had a gimme game in week two, I think their win total would also be nine and a half. And that their eight and a half win total is reflective of how difficult their schedule is. Because I think Utah as we saw a year ago, is as good as anybody in the conference. And that includes USC. I could readily make the case for any of those top four teams to get into the college football playoff. Now, if I were voting, would I have put Oregon fourth? I don't think so. But I also don't think it's a major slight because I don't think the gap here or the margins in the eyes of the media members or just frankly in the eyes of any college football fan anywhere, I don't think the gap is very big. So you might look and say, oh, Oregon's not the fourth best team in the, in the pack. I, I think that's ridiculous. I think that it's, it's operating on a very, very slim margin to where if a couple more people had put a second instead of third, maybe that would have put us into third instead of fourth. I think Oregon's done a lot of great things this offseason. I think there are also plenty of questions about the Ducks. I would not have picked them first. I could make the case for them to be second. But the turnover on the offensive line, to me, is a legitimate question to ask. And if you're someone who doesn't cover the team and who doesn't necessarily think that Oregon's going to be you know, a, a world beater this year, and I think they'll be quite good, my record prediction and you know, game-by-game prediction will come uh, on a show sometime in August, which I can't wait for, because that, that's kind of like what I'm building up to all offseason, right? putting these pieces together, understanding where everybody is, where they're going to start, where they fit in the Pac-12 championship picture or college football playoff, and then going game by game. I was one quarter of football away from correctly picking our record a year ago. I had us 10-2. and two. We ended up 9-3. and three. We don't need to talk about why. So I, I think Oregon is you know, in a fine spot there. I don't think it's a huge slight. And look, frankly, it's only a positive thing for the Ducks if that's how they view it. It's like, they think we're the fourth best team, kind of, you know, like, like I said, slim margins, but if it's bulletin board material, fine, uh, that, 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 that works for me. But everything after that, I think is about right. Oregon state, UCLA, Washington state. Don't be surprised if that ends up flip-flopping. Like don't, if you told me right now, the final PAC 12 standings look something like the, like the, this preseason poll. I wouldn't be shocked, and I wouldn't be shocked if Washington State and UCLA were, uh, were, were, were flipped there. I like the Cougs, and I, it depends on what Cam Ward can do. 
and whether or not he can be the best version of himself. But if he can be and their offense thrives, they're going to have a good defense. They have several preseason all-conference defensive players, and deservedly so. Jake Dickert's a really good, really, really good defensive coach. So, again, the preseason poll, according to the Pac-12 media members, USC, Washington second, Utah third, Oregon fourth, Oregon State fifth, UCLA sixth, Washington State seven, Arizona eight, Cal nine, Arizona State 10, Colorado 11, and Stanford down there at the bottom at 12. I think Stanford, unfortunately, is, uh, unfortunately for the Cardinal, that is, Probably going to be the worst team in the conference this year. They just adjusted their win total, by the way, to two and a half on FanDuel. That's not great. Though, to be fair, you know who had a two and a half win total a year ago? Arizona. You know who was a five and seven football team? Arizona. So teams will go over, teams will go under. Anyway, let's get into the mailbag. YouTube comments are always there. You can hit me up on Twitter too, at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. DMs and mentions wide open. Mailbag is just chock full. You guys come up with awesome questions and I love it. And some are a little bit multifaceted here. So let's get into it. By the way, for those of you who don't know, potpourri means like a smattering of everything. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it can bounce around and cover an array of topics. I get that term from Jeopardy because I watch it basically every day. I haven't missed an episode of Jeopardy. I record them all and then I watch them back in order. Haven't missed one in about five years. I am a complete and total addict. I am the guy who is screaming in in with with absolute pure unbridled joy and enthusiasm when I get a clue right that the contestants didn't get right or that they didn't ring in and ring in, ring in on at all. Like the other day, this is a true story. There was an expletives that came out of my mouth and I was yelling it. I was alone in the house. So it's not like, you know, I was bothering anybody because I got a $2,000 clue, right? And the correct response was Salvador Dali, the painter. And nobody got that right. And let me tell you, that's as good of a feeling and as much of an ego boost as you can ever find if you're me. Anyway, this question from Benjamin. Spencer, in all caps with exclamation points. That's some big time energy right there. I love it. Love the show, man. I just saw that Oregon was ranked number one on two websites for best facilities in the country. Have you heard how much the new facility is going to cost and how will that help future recruiting? So the facility which he is referring to is a new 170,000 foot indoor practice facility for football specifically. The current one is only 135,000. Weak sauce, obviously. But it's a new facility they're building that can be climate controlled, be state-of-the-art, everything like that. I was not able to figure out how much exactly it costs. I know for certain that it is in the millions. I don't know how many millions exactly, but it's it's many, many million dollars. Now, the second part of your question is the reason that I find this a great mailbag question because the facilities race was part of what made Oregon flashy, appealing, unique, standing out, get the brand out there. It was the facilities and the uniforms. And Oregon very much back in, you know, 2009, 2010, jump-started that whole arms race to where if you wanted to recruit, now Oregon was not the recruiting power then that they are now even, but that's because of the coaching staff that was in place. But part of the reason we started to get a player like DeAnthony Thomas, who normally would have gone to USC all day long, 
was because we had the uniforms, we had the facilities. You know, we've heard Brian Smith talk on this show regularly about how, you know, today, even in 2023, there are a few places that can do a visit the way Oregon does a visit. And that's indicative of the effort that we have made as a university and that a number of people have made financially and just, you know, time investment to making sure that that's the case to give Oregon the best chance possible to land the best players possible. Now, this particular facility, I don't think is doing a ton. It can't hurt, right? It might it might sweeten the pot a little bit, but the other reason that I don't think it's it's going to do a ton, I I, I think it's it, it's twofold. Number one, it's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. It's a practice facility, so it's not as if that'll never, you know, be shown to recruits on a tour of the campus or anything like that, but it's not going to be done for a little while. I think they're shooting for the start of the 2024 season, and in, you know, from what I was able to, to read and surmise, it's not going to be done even by the time that season starts, so it's not yet a recruiting tool, but the second reason, and this is the bigger one really why I don't feel like it's going to do a lot, is the facilities race has has kind of reached its peak. So Oregon set it off, right? As we had, you know, we could put together a great visit. We could put together an awesome tour. You had these amazing facilities that people were going nuts on. Social media was still in kind of its infancy back then, but still pictures and videos and all this stuff was was flying around. But then everyone, you know, caught up in that sense. And so you have to then evolve as a university to what's what's the latest thing and the latest thing of course is nil that's where oregon has to be you know keeping up with everybody else that's where they have to be competitive and by all accounts it appears that they are and it's not that having nice facilities isn't you know something that you need to have but it's almost it seems to me something that will help you avoid standing out in a negative way rather than a way for you to stand out in a positive light, if that makes sense. Because so many schools have great facilities now. So many schools have, you know, upped the ante on what a locker room looks like, what a practice facility looks like, or what a visit feels like, or a tour, or anything like that, that I think it can only serve as a way to kind of, you know, be a mark against you of sorts, rather than build something so great that, you know, it stands out in a major way. You can build nice, cool stuff, but you're not going to be the only place that has that. Whereas, depending on the caliber of prospect you're talking to, if you offer an NIL deal of a certain amount, that's now, you know, a big way that you can stand out from the other school that also wants wants that same kit. So, that's uh, that, that's that's my thought on that. Um, I, I think, and again, I read a couple different pieces on it uh, after you sent in the question. It should be done like in the next 18 months or so, but you know, I, I don't think it's moving the needle for, for Oregon. That's not why, you know, for instance, Elijah Rushing 
picked Arizona over Oregon, right? Like that, that was not what came into play there. That was, uh, that's stuff we talked about all week on the show. Uh, continuing on John, here's an off the wall question for the mailbag, but in the same kind of vein, Oregon has athletic behavioral health services available to the athletes, but does, but does that program provide the full range of services you might find in an equivalent NFL program? What I'm getting at is the evolving science of, quote, flow states, end quote, which high-level athletes have often reported experiencing during moments of exceptional performance. Beyond flow states, the pressures of performance and the anxiety of highly rated recruits facing the uphill battle to adjust to the speed of college football can significantly hinder or delay a player's potential. Plenty of fans might groan at the concept of a, quote, team shrink, end quote. I think Ted Lasso's kind of cut through that notion, though. But sports psychology isn't a fad, and it does produce results. I agree. For a team like Oregon, this seems like an obvious area to differentiate themselves, especially with the desire to recruit the best athletes from high school and prepare them for the extreme pressures of an NFL career. So, long question there, which is totally welcome, by the way. But... Just to kind of summarize what he's asking a bit, what sort of athletic training or psychological, you know, components or courses does Oregon have to entice kids to come to school? Similar to the the answer that I gave a moment ago on the new facility, I'm not saying pursuing these sorts of ventures isn't worthwhile as a university. And I talk about Unlocked on Pac-12 all the time. Universities are universities. They are schools. They are places of learning and higher education that also have athletics. Not as if athletics don't matter, but they are far from the only consideration, which is why, as I'm going to put on my gravestone when I die one day, presidents vote on realignment. That is my go-to catchphrase over at Locked On Pac-12. That's because it is true. So these sorts of factors are good things to have for Oregon, but we're not Stanford. We, we shouldn't be, you know, viewing recruiting or anything like that through a lens that, that doesn't, frankly, you know, exist in a big way. I'm not dogging anybody who went to Oregon. I know a lot of smart people who went there. We are not, however, the Harvard of the West Coast. That is not Oregon's brand. They are not one of the premier academic institutions in a conference that has several of them, by the way. Now, they are an AAU member, which is a prestigious designation, but they do the lowest amount of research, I believe, of any school in in the conference, and it's not a particularly difficult school to get into when you're comparing it to a Cal, uh, USC, and UCLA, Stanford. Uh, you know, even even Washington is tougher in that sense, but. I think when you look at what, you know, something like this presents, there there may be a recruit here and there that are interested in this sort of stuff and pursue it. But I haven't seen a lot of those sorts of players come through the University of Oregon's football program. Not to say there haven't been that many, but stuff like that to, you know, entice players where making, you know, what you study or a part of your degree a major component of a recruiting pitch, that's more of a Stanford, Notre Dame, Northwestern sort of thing. Or even, frankly, USC or UCLA, which are uh, really, really good schools and, and tough ones to get into. I don't think that's part of Oregon's pitch. I don't know that it, it needs to be. I don't think there's a lot to be gained there. And I don't think it ever will be part of Oregon's identity on the recruiting trail. Oh, yeah, we can offer this stuff, uh, you know, academically as well. Not to say that academics don't matter to some of these kids, 
but I don't think there's, you know, a huge swath of, you know, untapped recruits for Oregon to go after if we were to, you know, kind of up the ante on this stuff or, you know, dive more into behavioral sciences or sports medicine or, you know, or that sort of stuff. Programs are available to, to, to kids, of course, of that sort. And it's not as if Dan Lane and the coaching staff are just blissfully unaware of what their kids are studying or how they're doing. No, that's part of your responsibility as a coach. You got to keep kids going to class. They have to keep their grades up. If you're not academically eligible, guess what? You cannot be allowed to play football because you are there on scholarship to go to school. That's how this exchange works and is valuable for both sides. So I don't see that becoming, you know, a huge part of, of the identity. Really interesting question, though. I'm not familiar with all the inner workings. And look, maybe there are people at the university who are trying to make this, you know, a bigger push. But I don't think it'll ever be a central part of Oregon's recruiting. Last thing for today, a central part of this show is the second segment SIP. Now, this uh, this question comes in from Bud. Mailbag. RE, you know, like in an email. I don't actually know what that stands for, but uh, it means like responding to. Maybe that's what it is. Response, correspondence. Uh, he says, uh, mailbag. SSS, a.k.a. second segment SIP. Water, if so, still or sparkling. Tap or bottled, cold, room temperature or hot, flavored, and then he says, if not, and only post podcasts, of course. <laughs> but it's, it's, I think, I think we're okay. Um, gin, grappa, aruo, rum, tequila, vodka. Uh, yeah, no, definitely no alcohol in there. I don't drink alcohol very often. Like you got to give me the right, right setting, but I mean. Maybe, maybe twice a month. It's never, like, that's never been a big thing for me. Like, in college, this is a true story. On the party nights in college, my freshman year, and I lived in the biggest party dorm at Santa Clara University, the most common thing I did on party nights, which were Wednesdays, was go down to the cellar, grab a bag of Hint of Lime Tostitos, and go with uh, one of my closest friends over to his dorm, and we'd sit in there and play Xbox all night. That's how we rolled. <laughs> and then and then I got into sports broadcasting and yada, yada, yada. Here we are. Uh, but back to the, the first few questions there. Uh, always water. Uh, ice cold. I prefer to have ice in there. If not, it needs to be that sort of cold. Now, I'm in Oregon right now for the summer. When I'm in Utah, water that comes out of the tap has to be filtered through a Brita first. I am a water snob. I don't have to filter it because Oregon water is beautiful and wonderful and magnificent in every conceivable way. Ice water from the tap in Oregon, still never sparkling, as cold as possible, no flavor, straight up no kicker is how I uh, enjoy my water there. So love, love the interest question there. Have a great weekend, everybody. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.